Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read verses 3 through 8. Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. It says, beginning in verse 3, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And I want to talk this morning about thinking rightly about serving the church thinking rightly about serving the church. Now, we've been looking at verses 1 and 2, and in verses 1 and 2, we saw how we are to offer ourselves to God. And this offering of ourselves to God is a sacrifice, a living sacrifice for service. Service to God and service to the church. And so, as we give ourselves in service to God, we are not to be conformed to this world. We are to be transformed by thinking rightly about the truths of God. And this is how we are prepared to serve Him and to live for Him and to give glory to Him in everything that we do. And Paul here in verse 3 begins, or he uh, expounds on this a little bit more, talking about serving the body of Christ and what that means. And we want to consider some things about it this morning. And the first point is this, rely upon the grace of God. Rely upon the grace of God. Now, Paul, when he begins uh, in verse 3, he says, I say through the grace given to me. So here is Paul. He is an apostle of the church. He had authority over the church because, you know, this position that he had. And he speaks to them. He writes this letter in order to correct things in their thinking and in their living. He's writing to correct them and to instruct them and, and all of this. And even though he has authority uh, to do all of these things and to say all of these things, he says, he relies he says that he yields himself to the grace of God. He is speaking because of the grace that God has come to him. So it didn't matter to Paul or in his mind how great he was or how gifted he was or what position he held. Even before he was a part of the church here, even before his salvation, the apostle Paul, he was a pretty remarkable man. And he kind of rose through the ranks of Judaism and, and uh, he, he was pretty high up there and well respected. But all of that, he just puts it aside for the grace of God. And he speaks by God's grace. Now what that meant was that every word that he had, every encouragement that he had, every instruction that he gave, he gave it because God had gifted him or blessed him or instructed him to do it. God gave his grace to him. Now, grace, of course, is when God gives us something we don't deserve, and that's kind of the point. So it wasn't that Paul was something special in and of himself. It was because God poured out his grace upon him. It was God's gift to him. And the same is true for us. As we move through this passage, we're going to see and be reminded of the great things that God has done for each one of us. So you might look at yourself, you might think, well, you know, I'm not anything special like Paul was. Uh, he was pretty remarkable, and he did all of these things, but there's just nothing special about me. I'm not smart, and I'm not strong, and I don't have all these opportunities. I don't have, I'm poor, you know. It's, just, it's like, I'm nothing, Lord. 
But none of that matters. What matters is that God has given his grace to you and to me. He has poured out his grace upon us. And in this passage, we're going to see that by his grace, we have faith. By his grace, we have gifts. God has given these things to us, not because we deserve them, but because of his grace. And he has put us in a special place in his body, the church, in order to serve him. And this is all because of God's grace. So don't, when you think about serving God, you don't have to try to muster up or make yourself something that you're not. You don't have to try to change yourself necessarily. I mean, of course, we're supposed to be conformed into the image of Christ. And that's what verses 1 and 2 uh, kind of exhorted us to. But it is the work of God in our lives. And the truth is this, that he is working in your life one way or the other. Your life, my life, all oh, there are no, if you are a Christian this morning, he is working in your life. He has poured out grace upon you in order for you to be able to do the things that he wants you to do. And so let us then rely upon God's grace, not upon ourselves. Don't look deep within to find, you know, how smart you are, how strong you are. It's not, the, the answer is not within you somewhere. It is by your relationship with Jesus Christ. He gives us the grace that we need, we need. The second thing that we want to remind ourselves about is this. Think rightly about who you are in Jesus. Now, I spent some time last Sunday talking about this, how we need to change the way we think about things with the truth. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by the devil, he was tempted three times by Satan to do different things. And each time, each time Jesus was tempted, he responded to the temptations by referring to the scriptures. In other words, he brought to bear on his temptation the truth. And this is what we need to do. We need to think rightly. In three verses, verses one, two, and three, the idea of thinking occurs five times in three verses. This is pretty remarkable. This at least shows that in this context here, we're talking about something that's very important. So it starts out in uh, verse 1, where offering ourselves to serve God is a reasonable thing to do in our worship of him. That's the end of verse 1. Reasonable, logical, that's the word that is used in the Greek there. And so that's the first time. And then in verse 2 of chapter 12, we are to be transformed by renewing our minds. We are to fix the way that we think. And then in verse 3, it says, I say this to everyone among you, don't think more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. And so this idea of thinking rightly comes up again and again in these, uh, these few verses here. And so we are to think rightly about who we are in Jesus. And this is part of why, what Paul is saying here. He is going to be referring to our service in the church, and we are to think rightly about what that means and how we are to do it. So uh, here are some things to kind of get us on track. We are doing this by the grace of God, right? Not by our own strength and not by our own smarts and not by our own, uh, you know, amazingness and uh, great talents. We're doing it by the grace of God. We do it because he has given us faith. We do it because he has given us, uh, made us a part of the body. We do it because he has placed us in a special place in his body so that we can serve him. And so think rightly about this. Now, 
Part of thinking rightly, there are two things that he says here in verse 3. First, he says, don't think more highly than you ought to think about yourself. So if it's by God's grace and I'm gifted by God, if he has given me the gift, then, you know, I'm not supposed to be too, I mean, why would I toot my own horn, right? It's not me. It's, it's who? God. He's given me the grace. He's given me the gift. And so I don't want to um, think more highly about myself than I ought to think. I need to be humble. If we kind of walk in our own pride, I mean, we all, we all can sense pride in other people, and we're all kind of guilty of pride as well, and so there's this constant encouragement and exhortation to be humble, but we can see it when somebody is, is pride, proud, and uh, we kind of react against that, and rightfully so. There's no room for pride. When we walk in pride, we can embarrass ourselves. When we walk in pride, we stick out like a sore thumb. When we walk in pride, we might think, make things worse around us. When we walk in pride, things just don't work out well in the economy of God. We want to be humble as we seek to serve him. There is no room for pride. Not only do we react at the pride of others, but look at what it says in James chapter 4, verse 6. And this is a quote from the Old Testament. So this is nothing new here. It says, he, God, gives more grace. And there's our word grace again. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, if, if uh, the ability to serve him and to advance the kingdom of God comes by the grace of God, and if I would like more grace in order to be more impactful for, the, for God and his kingdom, then the path to that is humility. The path to that is humility, not pride. In the world, we are to uh, make much of ourselves so that we can advance as far as possible. But in the economy of the church, we are to humble ourselves and allow God to lift us up. We humble ourselves so that he pours out more grace. And you know, if I'm not good enough, if I'm not strong enough, if I'm not gifted enough, then why would I rely upon myself to make an impact? We want, as Christians, to rely upon God. He gives more grace. So let us, first, in our thinking, be humble. And second, in our thinking, we want to be sensible. We want to be sensible. The word here in the New King James is uh, the word soberly, which is a bit, a bit uh, archaic there, but uh, it can be translated as to be sensible, to think rightly about things, to be logical or reasonable. It's a, it's a very thought-oriented idea. And so we are to be sensible in our approach to life and to service and to God and to those that are around us. Um, we cease to be sensible. It's hard for us to be sensible, sensible when we get worked up about things. You ever get worked up about something? You get worked up and he's like, and then all, you know, all reason kind of leaves. You start spouting things off of, out of the mouth that you didn't intend to say, and you start doing things that you wish you didn't do. When we get worked up, sensibility just kind of leaves. When we get stressed, it's the same thing can happen. When others treat us unfairly or unkindly, it is easy to just uh, stop being uh, rational, rational, Rationable, rational and reasonable. See, I was combining two words in my mind and I couldn't separate them. It's just, I guess I'm getting old here or something. 
When others treat us unfairly and unkindly, we get worked up and we stop thinking rationally. It is easy to think the wrong way about things when trouble comes our way, when things get hard, when we get stressed, when we get anxious. It is hard to think rightly about it. But we are to think sensibly. We are to think wisely. We are to think reasonably because of what God has done. And here are some truths to remind us of. We are God's children, right? He has made us our children. He has saved us. He has forgiven us of our sins. He has acted graciously towards us, so graciously. The grace of God abounds towards us far more than we deserve. He has given us faith. He has made us a part of Jesus, and he has given us gifts. That's the truth of the, of the matter. That's the truth that we need to think on. We don't need to get worked up and we don't need to get upset. We are God's and he has blessed us so much more than we deserve. He has made us what we are. And so don't be jealous. Don't get discouraged. Don't be resentful. Don't give up, especially. Don't give up. And I'll come back to that in a minute. Think rightly about who you are in Jesus every moment. So think rightly about who you are. Our third point this morning is this. Use your faith. Use your faith. Look at verse 3 again. It says in verse 3, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. God has apportioned to each one of us some faith. Now, faith is extremely important. Let's, uh, we're going to do a lightning tour of faith, mainly through the Gospel of Matthew. So Matthew chapter 9, verse 29, Jesus was looking for faith. And as we read through the Gospel, we can see certain people, as they were seeking to be healed and to receive something from Jesus, they did something or said something that, that uh, reflected their faith. In one case, he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. So have faith. Having faith is really important. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 30, here he uh, chides his followers. Most of the time, he's uh, kind of rebuking his followers for their lack of faith. And here's one instance. It says, now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, we, will he not? much more clothe you, and here's the chastisement, oh, you of little faith. In other words, why are you worrying about all these things? You know your father loves you and he's taking care of you. So don't have a little bit of faith. Trust in him. Another passage here that shows uh, the amazing truth about faith. It says, Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, they were trying to cast out a demon and they couldn't. For surely I say to you, if you have faith as, as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. And so it doesn't take much faith. As a matter of fact, I always kind of uh, quantified the faith here in this passage. Lord, give me just a little bit of faith so I can move that mountain. And I came across somebody who was teaching on this passage, and their view on it was, He's not saying have a little bit of faith, but use a little of the faith that you already have and that mountain will be moved. And really that kind of lines up. Have faith in him. We have the faith. He's been, it's been given to us and so let us use that faith and trust in him. 
And then Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so you might say, you might look at these verses and you say, Pastor, I want to have faith. I want to trust him through my challenges in life. I want to have a faith, a strong faith, so that I can move the mountains. I want that kind of faith. Help me to have faith. I don't have that faith, and I want it. But the truth is this. You do have the faith. Because Hebrew, I mean, Romans 12.3 says, He gave it to you. He says again, God has dealt to each one of us a measure of faith. He has given you faith. So you got it. Let's use faith and have our faith in him. Use your faith. The next verse here. Rejoice as a part of the body. Verses 4 and 5. Rejoice as part of the body. In verses 4 and 5 it says, For as... We have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So at this point, he's using the analogy of the body. So here I am, I'm a body, right? I'm an animated body. And I've got all these parts. I got fingers and I got toes and I got knees. How's that song go? Head and shoulders, knees and toes or something like that, right? I got all of those parts and uh, they're all working so far, so good, sort of. I got parts you can see, and I got parts inside. I got my bones and my organs. I got my blood, and I got all of these things going on in me. Many, 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 many parts. The, the human body is an amazing thing, isn't it? I remember st- studying anatomy way back when I was in, in school and, and uh, studying the human body. It's just fascinating. Who could say, I, how could anybody with a reasonable mind say we evolved to be this? It's just incredible. And the systems that work and depend upon each other and the systems that need each other, two systems for a third system is just remarkable, amazing. And so we have many parts to our body. Now, he uses this to reflect the body of Christ. So our title is Thinking Rightly About Serving the Church. And by the church, I don't mean this church only. I mean the church, the body of Christ. The church as a whole, the body of Christ. The body of Christ is like a body. The church is like a body. It has many parts, and each one of us are one of those parts, and we don't all do the same thing. Um, Even this finger does something different than this finger, right? And so it is throughout all, all our body. We are unique in so many ways. Each cell in our bodies is unique. It's just remarkable what God has done. And that's how the body of Christ is. We are all part of the body of Christ. You have your place. I have my place. And we have been put there by Christ. He took us. He saved us. He put us in his body. He gave us faith. He gave us gifts. And now we're supposed to serve him. And this is the remarkable thing about it. We are not to be proud about it. Um, Pride in the body of Christ is like this. This spot on my face right here decides, well, you know, I'm pretty special and I'm pretty visible. And, uh, you know, no other spot on my face is like me, this spot right here. And all of a sudden this pimple just kind of boink. Well, now it's visible, but now it's not like uh, you. It's like you. Why? Because it's not acting according to its, pl- its place. It's kind of overstepped its bounds, and now it stands out like a sore thumb. 
And this is what pride can do to us. We don't want to stick out like that. We want to find our place in the body and do what we're supposed to do. It is not about getting attention for ourselves. It's not about feeling good about ourselves or feeling bad about ourselves. It is about exalting Jesus Christ. We are a part of his body and he has put us where we are in order to glorify him. So none of us do the same thing in the body of Christ. We are diverse. We are different. But all of us together make up the body of Christ. We are unified. We are one in Jesus. What a remarkable thing he has done. And so we are to rejoice as to what part of the body that we are. Because when we do our part, we glorify Jesus. Um, when we don't do our, our part, we are like a sore knee or a broken heart or a cancer that begins to grow. And that's not who he wants us to be. And then our last point this morning is this. Use your gifts. Use your gifts. So by grace, God has gifted you. By grace, God has gifted you. You are a part of the body of Christ this morning. And you are suited to that part of the body that you are put in. He has gifted you by grace. So, by grace, you have been given faith. By grace, you have been placed in the body. And by, faith, by grace, you have been given gifts. And so, uh, use your gifts as a part of the body. Now, just, just because you have a gift, and all of us do, doesn't mean that we're going to use it. And this, this is why we have the encouragement here. He's going to encourage each person to use the gifts that you have received. So beginning in verse 6, he says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. In our ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So you have been given a gift, and here's the exhortation to use your gift. Now, how do I use my gift? How do I even know what my gift is? And those are some legitimate questions. I think on Wednesday night when we're finishing our study on heaven, I'm, we're going to talk about how to identify our gifts and maybe look at each of the gifts and see what they are and what they mean and how to use them. So we'll maybe do that on a Wednesday night for our Wednesday night Bible study. But notice the, the gifts that are listed here. It's not that they're all pretty phenomenal. I mean, you have the gift of prophecy and you have the gift of teaching and maybe those are kind of uh, standing out among some of the other gifts, but some of the some of them here are we're talking about ministry, which is service, and we're talking about exhortation. You know, exhort somebody. We're talking about giving. With, now that could be kind of like to the church as a whole, or it could be to individuals. But give with, gener with generosity. If you lead, lead with diligence. If you show mercy. To somebody, do it with cheerfulness. So some of these are very personal, private, one-on-one. -on -one. In this, what we see is that there is a place for each and every one of us. And it doesn't matter. You might say, well, pastor, you know, I used to be strong, but now I'm old and I can't do a single thing. How can I serve? But it doesn't matter. 
The Lord will provide you opportunity. There are some in this church that minister regularly, even though you are in a dire situation. So we have Debbie Thompson over there. Can you raise your hand, Debbie? See Debbie Thompson over there? Every single day, she is a blessing to my wife and I. She sends an encouragement to us. Every single day. Thank you, Debbie, for that. There's Brenda. She's not here. And almost every single day, she reaches out to our family. Brenda, she sits in the back. Uh, is Ashlyn here? Just Matthew. Matthew. Matthew is Ashlyn's dad and uh, Brenda's son-in-law, right? Did I get that right? Okay. Every day, she's reaching out. Um, Beverly, is Beverly here? Beverly skipped out today? Oh, man. <laughs> Well, she's not here in church, but she is often at our house helping us. This is great. This is, this is what it is. We're, we're, we're talking about things that, that are done, uh, um, an email or a card, uh, a word of encouragement, you know, showing mercy with cheerfulness, all of these things, giving. So many of you have given generously to me and to the church, and it's, it's just fantastic to see these expressions of serving the body of Christ. Now, I, I said it doesn't have to be this church, but you know when you're a part of the church and every believer should be a part of a church. Every believer should always be a part of a church, wherever they might be at the time. When you're a part of a church, the number of opportunities just multiplies. Even in a small church like ours, just look around. You have a hundred opportunities to serve Christ quietly, one-on-one. -on -one. Amen? And so the, the purpose here, the exhortation of Paul is to us as believers, we are to serve Christ as a sacrifice. That is our reasonable service. And God, because he wants us to do that, he has given us grace. He has, well, he graces us. He gives us faith. He gives us gifts. He puts us in the body. He tells us what to do. And he gives us the opportunity to do it. He has, he has done it all except actually doing the service, which is our part. And so here it is for us as Christians. We are to seek to minister to one another in the name of Jesus because that's who Jesus is. He did it when he was here and us, we as a part of his body, we do the same thing and we advance his kingdom in this world. So going back to these gifts, here's my final exhortation to us to use, let me read verse six again. Having then gifts, differing, accord, differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, service, let us use it in our service. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with generosity, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So let us go forth, O church, and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, we had our men's breakfast yesterday. There were 16 of us here. We really had a great time. I, I thought it was really great and encouraging. We were able to just kind of shoot the breeze and rub shoulders and, and the stuff. But um, in the course of our discussion, um, one of the ministries that we do in our church, we have the greeters at the door. And, and uh, Charlie, is Charlie in here? And Randy, is Randy in here? 
There's Randy in the back, and there's Charlie. They're sitting together back there, and they are our greeters, and we need more greeters. Now, this is a really simple way to serve the church. Just uh, stand up and welcome people as they come into the church, right? Easy peasy. Some of you, some of others of you, I think, Pam, you're a greeter. Who, who else is a greeter here? Anybody else is a greeter? All right. Four or five, five of you are greeters. Well, we need some more greeters. And ideally, it would be, it would be great to have some greeters at the door, some gre- greeters at the door, some greeters in the foyer, some greeters out here on the sidewalk, and some greeters out here on the sidewalk, just welcoming people as they come to the church. people. But, you know, it's, it's just a, sometimes just a warm handshake and a smile can encourage a heart that is down or discouraged. And so don't uh, diminish any act of service, no matter how little it is, even picking up a piece of garbage on your way out that you see on the floor, don't diminish it. Do it in the name of the Lord and you will be blessed for doing it in the name of the Lord. Let us go forth and serve Jesus with all that he has given us. Ben, if you have a prayer request, you're welcome to come on up here, but let's sing and worship together in our final song.